Praise God. Amen, amen. It's, um, it's great to be here this evening. And um, I must say, I am, I'm a little nervous. I was driving up and uh, talking to my wife, and yeah, the butterflies were, were there. <laughs> but um, praise God. I just want to thank Pastor Simon and the church here for uh, allowing me this opportunity to, to speak and minister to you. It's truly a privilege. And I just want to thank the church on behalf of myself and my wife for um, for everything that you've you've made us feel so welcome here, and we feel a part of the family of God here at Northside. And I just want to thank you for that because it's 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 not often that you go to places and you just feel at home, and it's and it's great to fellowship with the family of God here. Amen. Praise God. So to tonight. Um, I would like to, to speak to you. I've titled uh, my message, it's very original, God's Strength Made Perfect in Weakness. God's Strength Made Perfect in Weakness. Why don't we just pray for a few short minutes. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with us this evening as your word goes forth. I pray it would fall on good ground in each of our hearts, Lord Jesus, that it would bring forth fruit, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers, Lord Jesus. I pray this in and through your wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, this message has been on my heart for a while, and um, there's a couple of times that some of the speakers in the past few weeks have s- sort of touched on bits and pieces of of what I'll be speaking about tonight, just a confirmation from God of, of what he wants you to hear. And to set a foundation, I'd like to read out part of this a speech um, from President Franklin D. Roosevelt following the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor thought I could try an American accent, but I'll just, I'll spare you that. (laughs) So the speech, uh, the president said, Mr. Vice President, this was, he was addressing the Senate. Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a day which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. An attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we'll, I will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but I will make very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces and the unabounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us, God. I ask that Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday the 7th of December 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese people. This attack on on Pearl Harbor, it was a day that would live in infamy, as the president 
said it forced the United States into the Second World War. The, the Japanese had shocked, they had, had weakened and put fear into the heart of the United States of America. And we look in history and we look in retrospect and think, you know, the US, they won the war in the end. But at that time, the fear that went through their hearts, the weakness that they felt, they didn't know that. But this event galvanized the country. The president was right when he said with confidence, our armed forces, with unabounded de determination of our people. He, he was right because by the end of the war, the US had become the, an industrialized war machine. So, so much more powerful than its enemies and its allies combined. Some statistics from, from the war. The average Ford car has some 15,000 parts. The, one of the bombers, a long-range bomber, has 1,555,000,000 parts. And one, of, one came off the line every 63 seconds during the war. America launched more vessels in 1941 than Japan did the entire war. The shipyards turned out tonnage so fast that by the autumn of 1943, all Allied shipping sunk since 1939 had been replaced. The American shipyards were creating, building one ship per day. In 1944 alone, the United States built more planes than the Japanese did from 1939 to 1944. By the end of the war, more than half the industrial production of the world would take place in the United States. And we could only speculate what would happen if, if Pearl Harbor didn't happen. But what was a weakness in, in the history of, of the United States was actually a turning point for that country. That the USA it ended the war as the most powerful country in the world. And it's a title that it holds today. And so tonight, I would like to s speak to you on weakness and strength. The Bible says, if you would like to turn there in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, and it's a scripture many of us are familiar with. And Paul is, Paul is talking and he, he said, he writes here, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The context of this scripture we read, Paul, Paul mentions he sought the Lord three times for this thorn in the flesh, this, this weakness to pass. The Bible doesn't record what this weakness was or doesn't describe if Paul was actually ever healed from, from this thorn. But that was not the point. The point comes from Jesus' reply when he says, my grace is sufficient. Some of the most powerful words to be written in the Bible. We've heard it many times before, but we sometimes just gloss over that and the significance of, of what Jesus said. In your Bible, you'll probably see that it's actually written in red. That means that Jesus actually spoke this to Paul. He's, he said, my grace is sufficient. But he didn't just speak it to Paul. He speaks it to us today. His word is, is true. 
today. Why don't you, you turn to your neighbor and say, God's grace is sufficient for me. <laughs> God's grace is sufficient for me, amen. No matter what happens, he is enough. And I hope that this thought can always be in our heart. There was the, the narrative in the book of Acts, chapter 3, of the lame man who was lame from birth, and he was at the gate beautiful. Peter and John were going up to the temple, and, and he was begging for alms. And they turned to him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And in that same story, I put myself in that position, and I'm sure many of us can put ourselves in that position. We are that lame man. You know, it might not be our, our feet or our, our, our legs that are lame, but there's other parts of our life that are lame. There's other parts of our life that are weak, that are broken, that are lost, that are failing, that, that are being destroyed. So the question I have to you is to think, to reflect on your life at this time and ask yourself, what are these weaknesses that I have in me? You know, you don't have to tell anyone around you. Um, I'm sure if my wife was here, she might be able to point out a few of those weaknesses. But, you know, the areas in our lives that each one of us just, we struggle with. We struggle with lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. We struggle with some brokenness. We struggle with people that have offended us and hurt us. We struggle with weaknesses in our body, physical pain. We struggle with addictions and we struggle with mental illness and we struggle in our mind, in our body. We struggle in our spirit. There's all these struggles that we have, these weaknesses that we go through. But we serve a God who has made us. He formed us in his image. He breathed into us the breath of life and he knows all things. We can confess our weaknesses to him. He is our father. He didn't come to condemn us. You know, we condemn ourselves at times, but, and others can condemn us, but God didn't come to condemn us. He came to give us life, and life more abundant. Amen? Praise God. And if you haven't thought of a weakness, I have one for you. <laughs> In fact, it's a weakness that all of us have. <laughs> um, we're all lost in sin. All have sinned. The Bible said all have sinned. I'm short of the glory of God. Now, weakness, we're spiritually sick. But the Bible says, where does sin abound? There does the grace of God much more abound. And as we read earlier, Paul said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect. That word perfect is complete in weakness. Through sin in our lives, though there's sin in our lives, we are lost. But because of the existence of sin, the power of God's grace was completed at Calvary. When Jesus died, his last words were, it is finished. I have accomplished it. I have completed it. One man, by one man sin entered, and by one man sin was conquered. So what am I saying? See, before sin entered in the Garden of Eden, man was perfect. There was no sin, there was no pain, there was no sickness, there was no death. 
There was no toil of work. Man was created in perfect, perfect communion with God. Man was never created to die. But the moment that man disobeyed God, death began. Genesis 2.7 says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When Adam took from that tree, he didn't drop dead. But what actually happened is weakness entered into the body of mankind. And that has been passed down from generation to generation. Death and decay began. Sickness began. Disease began. The perfect relationship with God was lost and it was broken. And God could have left things that way. He could have just destroyed man. But it was in his grace and his love and his mercy God made a promise. He didn't make a promise a thousand years later, but in a couple of scriptures later, in Genesis 3.15, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The scripture is saying God promised that through the seed, a descendant of a woman, Eve, one would come that would crush Satan. And we know who that person is. That is Jesus. Amen. Jesus came. He came to make a way that despite our weaknesses, despite our sin and disobedience, Jesus came to make a way for each one of us. He, he died and he buried and he, he rose again. He conquered the grave. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Amen. God's grace is, is so amazing and he's here to save you. His plan of salvation is quite simple. It's to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And for all of us, the, and for all of us who are saved, God's grace is sufficient. If God's grace is sufficient to save you, from your sins, his grace is sufficient to save you from any other thing that would come your way. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has started a work in our lives and he will complete it. It's just not a one-time event, but a continual process. How? Well, his power lives in us. See, we are saved by his Holy Spirit and that power, the strength is, resides in us. The promise is in us. And when we are weak, there is an endless supply of power that we can tap into. That power is not reliant on wind or sun or coal. It's not reliant on emotion or feeling. But that power is a promise. A promise that God gave to Adam in the very beginning. A promise that our heel may be bruised but the head of the enemy will be destroyed and we can draw on that power of the holy spirit for those times of weakness god's promises are true and they never fail praise god i wonder i wonder many times why does god persist with man why does god why does he persist with me and i look at myself and how many failings I have. I look at the faults that I, that I have in my life, the disobedience, the feebleness and the frailty. And yet the Bible said he's willing that none should lost, be lost but all come to repentance. 
We can look through the Bible um, at countless times, men and women that God used and loved, despite all the weaknesses that they had. Adam, Adam failed God, but God still promised him. God still gave him a promise. David failed God. He committed murder and adultery, but it was actually through, through that um, relationship with Bathsheba that Solomon was born. And through Solomon, you have, we have Jesus. The dis- through Mo- Moses' weakness, was he, he was a stutterer. And God used him powerfully to deliver Israel. Paul murdered Christians, but God used him as one of the greatest missionaries. Peter denied Jesus, and yet he preached on the day of Pentecost. You look through the Bible and there are countless failures, but God didn't just look at the failures. God looked through that. And I'm sure if we were God, we would be, we would look, it's, it's not easy for us to see that. And you and me might just leave, leave people go and just give up on them. But God never, ever gave up on any of them. And he, has a purpose, he had a purpose and a plan for their life. And in the same way, he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And in all the examples, God was not just interested in using them, but he was interested in a relationship with them personally. Brother Woodward said, you know, God can use a donkey. He doesn't just need us. And you look, and then he also said, God is more interested in what he can do in you than what he can do through you. You know, through those weaknesses, God wants us to produce fruit for him and for others. We are to be gold, gold tried in the fire. We are on the potter's wheel and he molds us, he shapes us, he fashions us after his will and is his way. So that, not so that we get the glory, but so that he can get the glory. His strength is made perfect, amen, in our weakness. The Bible says that all things, can you repeat that? All things, all things work together for good to them that love him, to them that are called according to his purpose. I, I think of the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. The, the Bible sa- says in Genesis 50 verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people. See, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers who were jealous of him and he was accused of adultery and he went to prison and he went through all of these things and yet at the end of that, he became the second in charge of Egypt. And God used, a, there was a famine in, in the land and God eventually turned things around and his brothers came to him asking for food. And you can just see the integrity 
of Joseph through all those circumstances. God was trying him and testing him. And he didn't actually do anything wrong. The only thing I could fault him would be that he was just boasting about how great he was and how his brothers were going to bow down to him. I'm sure if my brothers, I did that to my brothers, <laughs> they'd probably take me out. Um, but you look at his life and what he went through, and through it all, his integrity was there. Through all the accusations, he was there. His heart was after, after God. And it's amazing how, how God turned it around. And there was a reason and there was a purpose for that. And God was working in Joseph's life. And in the same way that God works in Joseph's life, God works in our lives through the circumstances, through the situations that we go through. It's, it, it's tough and it's hard, but there's actually a work that God wants to do in our lives. There's fruit that he wants us to bear and there's lessons he wants us to learn. And he's our father. He's a father that looks, looks, looks at us and cares for us. He, he desires to have a walk with us, a relationship with us. And it's important that we understand and we realize that how much he loves us and that he's not there to destroy us. But sometimes the devil or the enemy puts that into your mind that, you know, all these things are against me, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God is in you. God is in me. Amen. Praise God. And Whatever the source of our weakness, sometimes it's ourselves. I'm, I always think about Brother Woodward, that message that we, we heard at conference and also a, a few months ago. And, you know, the source of our, our problems, whether it's ourselves and whether it's God, the devil, or the world, there's all these things that, become, that, cause, that have problems and weaknesses in our lives. But at the end of it, God, all, the Bible says all things work together for good. Every single thing, and we, we don't understand it, but he does. God understands exactly the place you are in your life, exactly what you're going through, and he's there to comfort you. He's there to help you, to carry you. I'd just like to ask the musicians if they would like to come up and... I was struggling with how to to close today today's message, and I was in the car typing and um, trying to structure it. And the 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 Bible says in in Hebrews four verse sixteen, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities with the feeling of our weaknesses. But was in all like points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to find, to help in time of need. Another version says, Jesus, our high priest, is able to understand our weakness. You see, Jesus knows what you go through because he went through it all and i i was 
reflecting on my life and I was thinking about when was the weakest point or frailest moment in my life and that it was two years ago when my father passed away and I it was devastating and I can't stand here and tell you that um, I'm all good and I have it all together and everything's great there's still a sadness and there's still a grief there's still a pain and a confusion that goes through my mind and my heart and there's so many questions that I have I don't understand why how, how did this happen it doesn't doesn't make sense in my mind and I, I, I just know that I have God's word and that's all I can trust I know that God is a good God and that all things work together for good every single thing works for good and I don't have to understand why sometimes. And God may not reveal it to me. But he's a good God. And this, the one, this one word phrase that Paul says that his grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for every circumstance. Why don't we just stand at this time?